All right, we're recording? Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rick Grant Report podcast. This is a late one, a little central time start. Can I, can I give everyone a little rundown of what just happened? Sure. Jason and I recorded probably like 10 minutes. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. And then Joey's like, I'll be there in five minutes if you guys haven't started. We're like, all right, well, we got to scrap it. We got to bring Joey in. But I just want everyone to know Jason started the other podcast saying, are we recording? And then yes to himself. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. <laughs> That's the only part of that podcast that I wish we had. And then it all went downhill from there. Yeah, obviously. we were kind of rambling a bit. So <laughs> it was, yeah. It thankfully, was... Joey's here. Going to recap the week. Man. Another successful week. Five of six for the Leafs, just like we asked for. Yeah. And a crazy, crazy game tonight. There's nowhere else we can start other than the performance from the goaltender Scrap. that we all wanted tonight. Before we get into that, let's just quickly break down what we're going to talk about. We're just going to talk about, obviously, the three games. We're going to talk about Matt Murray, Marner's point streak, a couple of lineup in and outs, Mete injury as well. He got hurt tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also going to talk about the Nylander and Matthews and Tavares and Marner lines. We kind of touched on that last week, and we wanted to see another three games of them, get more games under their belt, and see uh, how they played. So uh, I'll let Joe take away the floor. Take it. All right. Yeah, pretty much on that point, like, yeah, circling back on what we said last week because mm-hmm. we did kind of leave it open ended, a little bit of uh, yeah. Let's see how this next three game, these next three games go, and then make a a better judgment. I would say based off of that. But uh, yeah, remembered my laptop this week, but unfortunately not charged. Hmm, stay hot. <laughs> Anywho, um, in terms of this week, so we had to start the week. I can't even remember. I can't even think right now. So we had Dallas that just happened right now. Uh, Tampa Bay was on Saturday and then on San Jose on Wednesday, San Jose on a Wednesday. I was at that game. That's why I'm used to remembering back watching it, but I was live at the game. Uh, I would say like the Dallas game and the Tampa Bay game were two exciting, insane games. Insane. Yeah. Da- uh, San Jose, there were some chances, but it was a little bit more on the lower ends kind of scale, but two insane insanely entertaining Leafs games in a row. Um, we got hit with the the no-goal call finally after four in a row going our way, I believe it was. Yeah. So that's a little stat for you there. What did you think about the no-goal call real quick? What You got to remind me now. Now you. So John Tavares, I'll, I'll break down the whole thing. John Tavares took the puck from the Leafs' own end, juked out Anthony Sorelli at mid-ice, went around uh, Victor Hedman, strong-armed him, went around him, Threw the puck on net backhand, went through Vasilevsky, was on the goal line. Sergachev pulled it off of the goal line. And then Tavares was kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it off his I forgot he about this. He was slew footed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I completely forgot about this. Foot, kicked forward and it went in. It was close. I think he probably tried to kick it. But the only thing is, call on the ice, unless I'm mistaken, was a goal. It was. I saw the ref bang, bang, bang. That's well, me. I'm nope, currently with my arm pointing at yeah. the net for a goal. Correct. And they overturn. You know what? I think it's because, okay, if you take out what's happening behind him, which is the player dragging him down from behind, if you just look at his foot, you'd it's say that kick. was a kicking motion. It's a full kick. It's but when kick. you put the context of everything else, I think it was close. I was actually fine with that call coming so back in. What I, I don't remember. There was a, a call like this in the Edmonton Calgary game I feel like in the playoffs last year yes and I feel like it ended up oh, not mattering Blake because Coleman because the Edmonton ended up Blake winning Coleman. regardless no or well no Blake Coleman's on Calgary oh no it got and called back against Coleman or I thought back. it got I thought it was counted oh okay no it got called back okay okay because I feel like that I 
I'm remembering it. That's kind of a little similar, maybe, because it's like... I might be. We're going to have to watch that yeah. one back. They're uh, all kind of weird. It's it's mm-hmm. so... I don't know if it's a different person judging them each time, but that is, uh, that's a good memory on that one. It's the but same person spinning the wheel. Exactly. A little unfortunate. The Leafs did get... We're going to watch this live here. But the Leafs did get a no-goal call in their favor earlier. And I thought what was really funny in that game was that the... What's it called? The goal was called back. The faceoff occurred outside of the zone because it was an offside. It was a successful challenge by the Leafs offside. Off of that faceoff, the Leafs went immediately down the other way and scored. <laughs> so just like a little games, game well, inside of the game right Is that there. a little bit of ball don't lie? Exactly. A little ball don't lie there. But well, J- You're right, Jason. We're watching it again. It's, all, it's a very similar goal. Where, because Coleman's falling back, he kicks it in with it. But I would say nah. Coleman's is more of a kick than Tavares. Yeah, I, I thought he was getting dragged more of an down. Intentional. Yeah, but because Tavares is kind of like it's almost like the body weight of yeah. whoever was on him kind of pushed the like, puck as well. When you look at like the, the the total body of the Leaf season, like we got four in a row our way. Yeah, yeah right. not complaining. If it, about it's it. a debatable kind of call. It sucks, but it's just what? to like let's hammer these out. But like it's not gonna happen. But like let's hammer these up before the playoffs. Get one in. Yeah, get the bad bad juju out of the mm. way. So four in a row are gonna come against the Leafs now. Hmm. Interesting, but. With the San Jose game, it was Nick Robertson drew back into the lineup finally. I thought he looked pretty good in that one. Unfortunately, they lost. the Leafs lost Cal Yarncroc in that game. Um, as that. a result, Wayne Simmons stepped up um, in Tampa. In the Tampa game, I didn't like how he played there. I thought he was invisible. And then tonight... So how is that different than the rest of our bottom six? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, you notice Pierre Engvall tonight. Doing when he what? got a double minor. <laughs> or but, when I thought he was about to take that goal away from Kerfoot on the empty net. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would have been fun. That as well. Uh, and then Semyon Durargachinsev drew in as well. I mean, <laughs> not the best night to draw in, especially cons- especially if you're not on the penalty kill. Well, no, not the best night for him regardless either. No. He had a terrible turnover on the power play. That led to the two-on-one? Yeah. I don't think that was directly him. It was off of Matthews. But mm, he's, he kind of does a behind-the-back no-look pass, assuming does, Matthews yeah. is there and it's behind Matthews. Uh, oh, okay. I missed that part. I clipped that that two-on-one. But, yeah, one of those games to the Leafs where, thank God, we have, I can't believe we're saying this. So are we talking about the Stars game now? Because I, I want to say – I just got a stat so, sent to me I want to bring up whenever you're ready to talk about Stars. So to close off of the – the, the San Jose Sharks game as well as the, the Tampa Bay Lightning game. Like, I don't have much to say really about the Sharks game. It was close. I thought Aaron Dell kind of held. He, he played pretty well there. Well, I thought he played really well. Played really game. well. The chances against Samsonov were kind of weird. Like it was breakaways, but the Leafs kept getting stick in, stick in, stick in. And they were muffed. They I felt like they were muffled breakaways against him. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, kind of. I don't of. think they got the cleanest looks on him. No, I, I didn't think so They also didn't so get either. many looks, but they and no power plays yeah, against that game. I, I thought they had one, or was it? No. no, they didn't. They didn't, you're right. They did not. So kind of, an, kind of an odd one there. But So then we go into Tampa Bay. Real quick to close off Camp Tampa Bay, I thought that was Murray's worst game since Montreal. Okay. The rebound control was not very good there. The first goal was kind of odd. He was a little deep in his net. And he did, it was a bouncy kind of sequence, but I don't know why he was so deep in his net there. Um, the rebound control again was was not very good. Uh, the f- overtime goal was terrible. So as we, well. Jason and I discussed in the podcast, "Lost into Space Forever," that 
it was good that Murray played well tonight because I didn't want to say that was one of his worst games against Tampa Bay without you auditing me. But especially the overtime goal. You'd want that one back. Do you think, so I said to Jason, because of the way that puck came off Kalorn's stick, he said it, he, it looked like he wanted high glove. Like yeah. Murray wanted, like that's what he read. And it, We didn't get the best. We didn't, unfortunately, we did, I didn't see, I didn't get an overhead angle of it, so I can't see Kalorn's stick path too, too well. But Murray said it handcuffed him, so I believe that's, I believe you're 100% correct. He thought it was going high glove based off the trajectory of the way his stick went, and it went low glove instead. So, yeah. But tonight, oh, my God, 44 save shutout for his first shutout as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Is that correct? Correct. And can I throw the stat at you? Yes. So, depending on where you look, it's about 5.9 to 6.2 expected goals against by the San Jose Sharks and the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Okay? So, Matt Murray essentially saved six goals above expectation tonight. Okay? Tonight alone? Tonight. The Sharks had 6.2 or somewhere around that expected goals. Wait, the Sharks? Sorry. The Stars. The Stars. My bad. Yes. The Stars had 6.2 expected goals. All situations. All situations. That performance by Murray is the best goal saves above expectation performance ever recorded since they started tracking these stats, So, which is about seven or eight years since they've started recording. stats record. By a lot. The previous best was 5.3, so almost a full goal. This is one I said it to Jason after game. This is one of the best performances by a Leaf goalie in a like a long, long, long time. Yeah, I would say so. Um, just trying to think. Hmm. What was the, like we were talking about this one the last time a goalie uh, played like this for the Leafs? It's it has to be Reimer in the playoffs for us. No, I swear there was one or two games where maybe he kind of stood on his no, head. No, so the Leafs, the NHL PR actually just tweeted this as well. Matt Murray recorded a 44 save shutout en route to his first shutout with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't, they didn't say it like that, but anyways, two Toronto goalies recorded more saves in a shutout since 1955-56. James Reimer, 49 on February 4th, 2012, and Mike Palmatier, 47 on March 12, 1977. But in terms of this game, like the three two-on-ones against, two of them I thought, well, one of them, uh, the Stars missed. Another one they kind of screwed up on, I thought. But the third one I thought they got, they got good wood on it too. And then on top of that, like how many total penalties did the Leafs power plays did the Leafs give up tonight? Uh, I think it was six. Is that wrong? Six, but there was one four minute. Oh yes. And in there on top of that, there was like a minute 38, five on three, which I think that was the crown jewel. The real like Leafs are down and out. We have not just in this game, but we have Muzzin out. We have Riley out. We have TJ Brody out. We have Jordy Ben out. Victor Mete is out from that game. Mark Giordano, our best defenseman right now, is in the penalty box. Justin Hall makes a boneheaded play because he's <laughs> exhausted beyond belief. He throws the puck. Justin he's, Herbert. Justin Herbert. <laughs> he's in the penalty box right now, too. To make matters even worse, the Leafs are on the 5-on-3 for a minute 38. Mitch Marner breaks his stick. He has no stick out there, and the Leafs make several bl- block after block after Murray save, another Murray save. I understand, like, Jason Robertson got a little jab in there at the end. I don't care that the, the Leafs did nothing about it because I think Matt Murray was going to have a heart attack, and I think Rasmus Sandin was so battered and bruised he couldn't stand up on his own after that one. That was just so—like, 
there's been so many moments in the Leafs' regular season where you just feel deflated. You're like, oh my god, like it looks like they're not even trying out there. What a moment for the Leafs! What a, what a statement! I that, thought that was. That was like, again, Jason and I were talking about this. Like, all those guys hurt. You can't even fault Giordano or Hall for those plays, honestly. In a normal night where Hall's playing 12, 13, 5 on 5 minutes and 2 or 3 penalty kill minutes, fine. These guys are playing 26 minutes a night. Brody's been out, I don't know how long. How long has Brody been out? 10 games? So it's been basically been 10 games, these guys playing an insane amount. At the end of a period where there was already a ton of penalty killing, because they're the penalty killers, yeah, they both make mistakes they probably want back. And who steps up? Sandine, Lilgren, like you said. That was... Uh, and again, if you look at the stats, the analytics behind it, Leafs haven't been smoking teams lately. No. Very even games. They've been losing some of the battles, but they truly, and I hate to be the intangibles guy, they have gutted out these points. That was, again, like you said, the culmination gutsy. of that. It was gutsy. Listen to the second period in terms of penalties. Justin Hole, beginning of the period, minor tripping. Glenn Denning, so they got a power play in there. Pierre Engvall, four minutes for high sticking. Toronto bench, too many men. Mark Giordano, delay of game at 18.05. And then Justin Hull, 18.27, closing the hand on the puck. The problem is the first trip on Marner, Pavelski dove like he was uh, playing in the World Cup. is insane. Yeah. The second one on Glenn Denning, also soft. Hall kind of got a stick in there. But after that, my God, the, <laughs> the too many men was terrible. They, we just had a defenseman jump on the ice with no change. The yeah. high stick by Engvall. Also terrible. It's not moving. Just literally hits him in the face clean. He's bleeding. And then, like you said, Giordano flips the puck over the, the glass. And Hall <laughs> thinks he's Justin Herbert throwing a vol- high velo missile down the ice. Like It was funny. But, again, the Leafs persevered. And it was all- I-, I was saying, how many east-west passes were there on that five-on-three? Oh, at least in the sequence that I clipped it, like three. Yeah, and that led was- to shots. Yeah, and that yeah. was 10 seconds. So two were blocked by Sandine. And then there was one. Like Matt Murray got across there and just he's big enough. He covered enough of the net to to get that one. That was that like forget the goals. There were some nice goals scored. I mean, Austin Matthews scored a high. Oh, that was a sick goal. He he, like and I'll I'll get to that point that I have regarding the way that that line is producing in a second. But that was a sick goal right there. But to me, that moment right there was just like, wow, these guys really do give a damn. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Again. Having this kind of adversity in the regular season where you have so many injuries, if you can persevere like this, mm-hmm. again, it's another scar you can get through. Like, okay, you know, we lost four defensemen and we're winning games. Like, it's pretty awesome to see. We're picking up Connor Timmons. The guys can barely skate out there. In a, in a weird way, it's made the games insanely more entertaining. Yeah. I don't know how to even describe it, but... Sometimes adversity, you know, it brings out the best. In, it's in deflating teams. when you shoot a team 50 to 20 and then they win 2-1, yeah. right? Your guys can't finish. Your your goalie can't stop a beach ball. But finally, we're getting we're getting the, on the other end of those. But with while we're still keeping in mind, because we're a realistic podcast, yeah. this is an unsustainable thing that's happening. Oh, right it's now. Wildly, wild, wildly unsustainable. I remember... So you were asking me my thoughts on some things when I thought I wasn't going to be able to court tonight. And I was giving, I was like, okay, like, yeah, this guy's this points and everything. You said, what were the numbers that you gave up for the PDO? This was pre Dallas game. Yeah. The, uh, so it's going to be even crazier now. Mm-hmm. Like the Nylander bunting Matthews line is getting like 97% save percentage when they're on the ice and they're <laughs> shooting like 15%. It's insane. 
So right. usually with PDO, you combine the two of those and it's supposed to equal 100%. That's like the the baseline, right? And the Matthews line is clearly around 120. 112, I think. 112. Yeah. So. Or maybe yeah. I'm, it could be more. No, yeah, 112. So yeah. to say that the way that they're playing right now is unsustainable is an understatement. And it sucks. To, it sucks to think of that right now because we're on such a high. We won such a game where. We we didn't deserve to really win that one in terms of the, the the underlying metrics, but we did win, so it feels fantastic. However, unfortunately, looking down the road, you know, it's clear skies right now. Thunderstorms are going to come. Unfortunately, regression well, happens. We'll see though, because then there, but, we then still yes. give them opportunity for improvement, right? There is opportunity for improvement, and on top of that, Riley and Brody are coming back very soon. Yeah, Brody, very very soon. Very, ver- yes. Brody, Brody like soon. next week, right? Well, uh, you, Jason, I want you to touch on like what you think this, without talking about Morgan Riley, what you think his injury has done for Rasmus Sandy and Timothy Logan, especially tonight. Well, it's I, it's just opened up the spots in the lineup to get them those minutes. I think like we talk about this all the time. You saw it with all these young defensemen who end up being good. It's just like you got to throw them to the fire, or else you don't know what you have. And like think about how long we've we've been like doing this podcast, like literally for what. what Almost every week for two and a half years, yeah. right? So it's been 104 weeks of us literally just talking about what is Rasmus Sandin, what is Timothy Lurgan, and it, it's, it's been a question for the entire time. And our biggest answer to that question is we need to see him play 20 minutes to know what they are. And with the addition of Riley on this team, you can never really see... And on see top of that, the addition of Giordano. Giordano, Brody, Muzzin. With those guys on the team, you don't get to see those guys in the top four. Mm-hmm. We were kind of bagging on Hall because he, in my mind, was kind of that gateway for Lilligan to the top four. But still, the the fact that these guys are able to play those top 20 minutes and be looking good in those minutes is what we've been kind of waiting for this whole time. Because we we knew they were good pro- prospects, but are they good NHL players? There's a difference between being a good prospect and then turning that into an NHL player. And with defensemen, Miro Heiskanen, uh, Cal Kale McCarr, McCarr, Adam Fox, Adam Fox, Evan Taves, all these guys, all these, all the best defensemen. You don't know what they are until you throw them to the exactly. fire and actually. And on see top it. of that, not even just like in junior and the AHL, everything like they were on the third pair, and it was like, at times it was actually pretty much every time they were together, it was wow, they look very, very mm-hmm. good. I wonder what they would look like in an elevated role. And you know what? Tonight, talk about throwing to the fire. Timothy Logan played twenty five fifty seven. That's got to be a career high. And Rasmus Sandin played 23-26. He's not typically a penalty killer, and he was out there pe- killing penalties tonight. Blocking shots and all, and scored tonight, too. Was scored was, and was a plus two with two shots, two hits, four and, blocks. And that's on top of Hall playing 26 minutes and Giordano playing 23 and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> they leaned on these guys hard. I, clearly, like... You can't really play Connor Timmons that much first game. No. Hasn't really been playing recently because of the trade and other other reasons. And his skates malfunction. <sighs> How funny was that? <laughs> fell in the warm ups. Fell his first shift. Fell again. That led to a two on one. That was uh, that was crazy to see. But you know, like with all these penalties occurring too, and not getting many power plays the other way. Like Matthews played less than yeah. sixteen minutes. Tavares less than seventeen minutes. And then you end up with Marner playing the uh, entire game. minutes. Yeah, yeah. What did Mitch Marner end up with? Twenty-three, 23 minutes. minutes. Guy, Continued insane. the point streak too. Okay, on top of that, insane. 
Um, who led the f- for forwards? Nylander, 15-16. He had a good penalty kill at one point there, too. Yeah, he did. He was looking nice. That was a little battle that we saw from him. But one thing, uh, do you want to get into like general topics now? I think we've covered this game pretty well. It was the nice. O- the, the, the other thing, again, like you got to give these guys credit, the top four players on the Leafs, and a little bit of bunting slipped in there as well. Like, they're playing out of their mind right now. It might not be like McDavid gets four points and Drysdale gets five secondary assists. Jason will like that one. But All it, the power it's play not too. like power play cookies and bullets. Like, these guys are having to work for everything, and they're legitimately putting the team on their back right like, now. Like, just all you need to watch is that one Matthews goal where he literally just did, did everything himself there. Went through the whole team, shot, got the rebound, came back, shot, scored. Not like, even went through the whole team. He caused a turnover at the blue line and then... Got one, the puck, yeah. <laughs> got the chance, got the puck back, and then went back the other way for a nice shot on that. And, and like, especially now with, again, Yarncroft's not a superstar player, okay? But he had five goals. That's significantly better than the Was rest of our— sixth on the Leafs? Yeah, probably. So, yeah. I mean, I, I was saying to Jason, I don't—still, the bottom six is like a complete black hole right now. Like, it's—there was one shift. I was shocked that Sheldon Keefe did this, I and I almost can't even blame him because of— the injuries and the penalty kills and the craziness of the game. After the Sandine goal, he put out Simeon Derb- Argachensev, Pontus Holmberg, and Nick Robertson as a line. Oh. And they almost got scored on. It, the puck immediately went back into the Leafs. And actually, I believe that might have been the play where they had too many men after that as well. That might not be correct. But it was it was a rough, rough line that they had there. And... The other pairings in the bottom six didn't fare much better. So, yeah, you're actually right. Twelve nineteen was the Sandine goal. Thirteen fifteen yeah. was too many men, and that was right after. Hmm. I didn't even. I was that. really keyed in on this game. It was a. I was. <laughs> you got this yeah. one good. Well, I mean, they were only up for fifty six seconds. That's it. And how many expect like uh point one two nine and three shots against and yeah and one and fifty six yeah, seconds. That's, that's not, not not yeah. great. And also, like Sandine, that goal that Sandine had was awesome because he recognized there's a long four check. They that Dallas, uh, those Dallas players have been out for a, over a minute. A little lazy. He spotted one of the wingers collapsing. Puck squirks out, and he's ready to activate right away and score. That was a great goal by Sandine, and he's looking more and more confident as the games go on. So is Timothy Lilligren. Looking really good together. It's going to be hard to keep these guys out of the lineup. We'll see. Exactly. So on the on the third goal, I want to get into detail on this one. It was, it went from the Leafs end down. They chipped it in, and it was Tavares against the defenseman. I was can't that really... Tavares Matthews Bunting as a line? It was Tavares Matthews Bunting. Correct. Tavares is able to, uh, takes the contact, just moves the puck around to the ba- uh, behind the net of Dallas's net. Bunting goes in. Wins the puck battle against uh, Hakenpah, who apparently de- declined the Leafs. The Leafs offered him a contract, and he declined. When he was coming to the NHL? It was like 2021 or something like that. But anyways, Bunting is able to strip him of the puck, move the puck just towards the front of the net, just push it to the front of the net. Big battle between Matthews, Tavares, the rest of the stars. And then like even Bunting gets the puck back, and then Sandine slips down from like the right end all the way from Timbuktu, slips down to the front of the net and puts it in. Great goal. And to touch on Hockenpah, big guy, 6'7", 220, like he's a bear. Leafs were all over him tonight. That Matthews goal, he stripped him as well. Same guy. (laughs) So, yeah, he had a 
a touch. Well, he, I think he's a decent player, though. I, he's, I a he's a player. good defensive player, he's, but can't move the puck. No, he's very defensive well. only. Defensive. Yeah. Only. Was that him? That was him. With his full shield on. Yeah, that was. Oh my god, he looked like a house leak. And then the weirdest part of that play is there. Matthew strips it. He like tries to go short side, almost scores. Gets the puck back, circles around the the zone. He's about to pass it, and then he's like, "Wait." Nobody's coming near me. Just walks right down Main Street and rips it by the goalie. He doesn't get that many chances like that anymore. So no. he's probably happy with that one. Because he outskated was Gurianov. But like on this play, Hockenpah has like has the puck, clear possession, a little bit of time, and then Matthews just closes in on him and bang, puck yeah, goes the other way. Awesome. So that was dominant. Take that, Yuri, you stupid <laughs> stupid lo- lug. I don't know what to call him. But anyways. Um, in terms of like general, we got. I think we got this game now, right? Yeah. Any other points you had? It was an awesome game. Uh, uh, not really a point. Just wanted to touch on back to the Timothy Lilligan Rasmus anything. So I was able to pull those stats quickly. Seven games played, ninety-two two minutes time on ice, winning the expected goals battle against basically the other team's top six. So. Yeah, and undoubtedly let's see against it. Let's see it. Six. Nice. Keep it rolling through. Like rolling. probably tougher minutes than our normal top forward play because of how much they're trying to shelter. The bottom pair, right? Oh, they yeah, that's likely. To. Yeah, absolutely. Hollowell and Mete was a horrific pairing. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't stop the they couldn't stop the cycle at all. Yeah. Like Hollowell would try to take the guy in front of the net. It's his like, his numbers are not. It's good. like me trying to post up against Shaq. He <laughs> also is <laughs> Hollowell is. I maybe he's trying to keep it simple, but the amount of times he just flips the puck out off the boards, flip, flip, flip without making a pass. Hey, you got a point from it against Detroit. Yeah, good, but... Very nice assist on the Matthews goal against San Jose, and I think that's why he got put in against Tampa, but he was not very good. No. uh, At all in his four or five... And he's going to draw back in next game for sure because Victor Mete has... Yep. So Connor Timmons is also right-handed, but at points, the Coyotes were playing him on the left side. It, it almost doesn't even matter now. They need just need guys to play like left, right. And the middle, funny thing center. is, the other defenseman that we saw from the Marlies on the Leafs earlier this year, Philip Kral, what hand is he? He's left. Or he's right, but right, he he's played right. left. Oh yeah, then he does play left. Yeah, yeah. So they're putting Connor Timmins. Suddenly, I a surplus of right-handed D on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Absolutely insane. But I believe they're going to put Timmins on the left side. He has played. I've been watching a little bit of Connor Timmons, and he, he has played on the left side for whatever reason the Coyotes were doing that. Even with the Roadrunners, he was playing on the left side too. So I think that's what we'll see next game, and who knows? Brody can't back, come back soon enough. But in terms of general themes, I really like. I think this is a lot of it is coming from Michael Bunting on this. When you look at the Leafs' third goal tonight, and the William Nylander goal against Tampa Bay. Both of them, to me, were very similar types of goals, and it's what we saw, what Bunting did very, very well last year. And we're finally, like, we're starting to see that get going again. And that's he takes the contact, he's able to create a puck battle from the other team having the puck, and then Matthews on the, the Nylander goal from Saturday, he was able to take it, nice feed to Nylander, wide open net. And then tonight, like, Start, creates the puck battle. I don't know if my, Bunting is even going to get an assist on that goal, but creates the puck battle, and then from the chaos, the Leafs are able to slide it into the net. So I'm really liking the. He did get an assist, by the way. Okay, good, because he deserved it on. The, he really earned earned it on that secondary on that one. But I'm really liking the, you know, the Leafs are just able to like flip the puck into the other team's end and really grind them down and really be able to to 
to turn it, create turnovers and such. I mean, they were doing it a lot against Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay has some good puck-moving defensemen there. So that's another really good sign there. I really liked how we saw that development in the offense. Well, here's the thing about Michael Bunting. There's two different Michael Buntings. There's top six Michael Bunting and bottom six Michael Bunting. Oh, yeah. And I think the reason for that is we've kind of debated this on the podcast. He's really not that good of a finisher. He's not. No, he's not. He, he hasn't scored since his two goal game against. Last Pittsburgh. year, he had twenty goals. He shot thirteen percent. That looks, or sorry, twenty three goals. That looks fine. Like that's, you would think that's fine. But dig into it a little deeper. The majority of his chances are within, like five feet around the net. Yeah. So, guys that are good finishers, like he should be shooting, like I don't know. I don't even want to say he should should be shooting fifteen percent. But if you look deeper into like true shooting percentage or. Uh, goal scoring over expected stuff like that. He doesn't rank as well, and that's because again, like he's not not really a elite doesn't shooter. Doesn't have much of a shot. No, but he knows how to get to the dirty areas. So mm-hmm. that's why he's perfectly complimentary in a top six. But in a bottom six, playing with David Camp and Alex Kerfoot, you're not going to score that many goals. He's not going to elevate them that high. But that's why. Also, just keep him in the top six. Yeah, like just keep him there. He's looking good. He's Jason's boy. So that's a yeah. six-game point streak for Fitz. Michael Bunting now. He hasn't wow. scored since the, his two-goal game against Pittsburgh, but six-game point streak for Michael Bunting now. He has seven points in six games, I want to say. 14 more to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I mean, Mitch, he could, uh, could extend that one there, too. I hope he does. I mean, right now, the, act, the, longest active, the longest streak from an active player is 26 for Patrick Kane, 25 mm-hmm. for Sidney Crosby, and then 20 again from Patrick Kane, and I think, and Sidney Crosby. And I think <laughs> Paul what, Stastny, Paul Stastny as well. So, oh, really? so we're actually getting up. Like I was seeing a lot of old man yelling at cloud on Twitter's uh, about this streak. And I kind of get it, but we're getting right, to the point now. It's just like, Oh, why? Who cares about this? Like, yeah, sure. I, it's embarrassing that the Leafs don't have anyone who has more than 18. Yeah, it's also embarrassing that the Oilers account. have a starting goaltender. They're paying $5 million oh, that Jesus. has a 4-7 goals against average. Oh, but, oh, uh, God. oh goodness. Um, was, and I like him, too. Yeah, but anyways, I was just, just saying, like, this is actually going to start. within. If this continues for next week, this is a, I think this is a massive story. Because, like, the fact that, obviously, the, the actual record is 51 goals or 51 points. That's probably never going to be broken. That... 90s era was just insane hockey when when yeah. Wayne Gretzky Mario Lemieux were absolutely just dominating a few other guys um but if Marner is able to do it for 26 games that's that's a pretty big feat massive. you're saying it's not the same as when guys were scoring 200 points in a year no, no. not at all it's also well, not yeah. many guys were scoring 200 points well no there was guys in the 150s though 160 yeah so. yeah yeah, there was that. But not to undermine Wayne Gretzky. So there is technically a record. I saw Jeff Merrick brought it up on, I think, the Jeff Merrick show. Um, who was it? I think his name is Bill Dye. I'm, I should have had this prepared. But he had a point streak, and it's not recognized by the NHL because it started in one season, that season ended, and then he continued uh-huh. it into the next year. And I think he was at 21 or 22. Interesting. So he, Mitch Marner has that record to chase for the Leafs-wise. Is it Babe Dye? I think so. Something like yeah, that. Babe die. Yeah. But 1921, 22. So like a hundred years ago. <laughs> That's now. insane. But kind of funny. How does he know that? So I think a listener <laughs> brought it up or something. That's crazy. I wow. just want to bring this up. Babe die in his career. 203 goals, 50 assists. Guy just ripped oh. the puck on that. Did they not have secondary assists though back then? I don't know, it could be. I just Probably, yeah. let, let it happen though. Cause it's kind of funny. Speaking of assists, Matthew, Austin Matthews, I don't think he picked up an assist tonight, did he? No. No. Oh. Anyway, so the previous 11 games before the Stars game, five primary assists. Mm-hmm. 
Last year, in 73 games played, he had 16 primary assists. So it's crazy. Love to see the playmaking from him. Uh, Anthony Stewart said, actually, he's going to win the Cy Young this year. He's going to have like 50 goals and no assists. Okay. Anthony Stewart also said that Jake Ottinger came out of nowhere. Well, I like Anthony Stewart, though. I think he trolls funny, on purpose, yeah. I swear. Well, because yeah. I don't know if you saw in the intermission, they put up, ranked the top four Leafs in terms of point oh, scoring yeah. this year. And every guy had Matt, both guys had Matthews yeah. third. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Matthews is. He's currently second. second yeah. So he's either going to stay at second or go to first because he's Austin Matthews. Yeah. Like Matthews not, actually did get an assist tonight. Sorry, he got oh, an he assist did? on the Sandin goal. I don't know how. Oh, because he was just. He, just shot so that, that was a primary assist then. That was a secondary. Bunting got the primary. Deservedly so. Oh, so yeah, it was just calamity on that play then. Oh, That's yeah. That's a little bit. I got to see the updated PDO after tonight's game for the, <laughs> for the <laughs> Matthews. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be crazy. It's Matt freaking Murray. I can't believe I'm saying this. I was watching it with a, a Sens fan, David, and uh, and then we were, I made him, when I was driving him home, I made him listen to the game on the radio. <sighs> And they kept saying, Matt Murray, Matt Murray. And he's like, I do not understand this. How is this guy's a Vesna goaltender on the Leafs? Like, what happened? Like, what happened? And this guy was terrible with Ottawa. I also well, texted Dave <laughs> after 5 1 after the second period saying, oh, What happened? 5 1 LA over Ottawa, that is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot, it's because a lot of, probably a lot of, uh, a lot of goaltending. Injuries, he had to change yeah. his style as well. Team defense Ottawa, also matters. Ottawa like, defense huge. is <laughs> horrific. I mean, I can't imagine what some of the goalies they have this year, what their numbers are. I, I mean, will say, though, he did have like a good 10-game stretch last year. Too. He had a 940 oh, save percentage on. over a 10-game stretch. He did, yeah. He played well, 20 we, we games and he had a 10-game stretch. I did, at least. I'm like, that's the, it's tough to validate a 10-game stretch. Yeah, like, it is. But the thing for Murray, again, I think health. most yeah. of us believed in the offseason. If Murray could stay healthy and really play a lot, he'll be fine. Not this good, but no, I fine. Said, I said 9, 10, 9, 15. Yeah, and we would have been thrilled with that. Not, the thing what's with his him, updated numbers 9, right 32? Holy oh my God. Show. I think higher now. <laughs> the, the thing with him is going to be, can he keep playing? And I and that's going to be something. I don't want to say anything because I, I honestly really don't want to jinx it. Oh, like okay. The Leafs are... I don't want to say anything else, actually. I'm Every time he it. gets bumped, I, I have to take a laugh. Well, how about Mason Marchman's penalty today? This guy loves taking penalties against the Leafs. Hilarious. He just, <laughs> out of nowhere, just body checks Austin Matthews into the goalie. After a two-on-one. Immediately penalty, and he's like, well, what do you mean? You just body checked the guy randomly into the goalie. like Blindside body check. Straight, Austin Matthews straight into, uh, into Matt Murray. But, yeah, Mason Marchman's story is actually I, – I, Highly recommend recommend uh, reading about it. Kristen Shilton wrote about it for ESPN. It's a it's an interesting one. Just how the Leafs re, how um, Barb Underhill rebuilt his stride and changed the like the skates that he was wearing and made him wear different skates and just building him up and how they weren't even letting him play games when they first signed him. They were like, "No, we gotta we gotta rebuild you as a human. We so, can make you." For, uh, I mean, stronger. yeah, forget about. How the Leafs rebuild Alex Galchenyuk? How did the Leafs rebuild Mason Marchman and then ship him off at the, at the absolute worst time? <laughs> all <laughs> that, all that time and effort for. Yeah, I will say a small little anecdote from the game. Mason Marchman, every scrum I've seen this guy grab someone aggressively. He saw Lilgren. He gave him a little like tap. That's a former teammate. Little respect, respect there. I kind of like that. Good, good. Yeah, they both won Calder Cup championship yeah. together. Nasty, nasty, but. Uh, 
the other point. What did what was the other point you had? A summary point at the beginning of the episode. Uh, Marner's well, point streak, lineup in and outs. Well, also we were talking about the top six. Top like, six do lines. You, do you change? Like you had some good points about it. In regards to the top six, I think it's offensively right now, and especially at five on five, it's been very spread out, which is nice to see. So now you have a good double attack, mm-hmm. uh, which I really, really like. I mean, Marner and Tavares right now are so hot. Just They're playing with so much confidence, and they're so hot. Just watch them carry the puck through the neutral zone. It's a, They're making some dangerous plays, but it's successful, and then, bang, a, a chance the other way. I mean, against Tampa Bay, I think it was, they had a, they had several cycles where it was like, it, it looked like it was on, it was the NHL was on easy mode for them. And like like I mentioned, go back and watch that disallowed Tavares goal. He that could, that would have been disgusting. That goal, it was yeah. nasty. I also don't even know how Marner didn't score that. Like he hit it with his stick yeah. on the goal line, and it didn't go. It was insane. Yeah, we only come away with one point on that one. But and then Marner two goals as well in that one. I mean, shout out to David Camp for that first goal from Marner. That was a very good feed, very good puck protection, which he's been doing all this year. And then a feed to him in front. And Marner did something you don't see him do a lot, which is bang a stick on the ice and call for a pass for a shot, which is extremely. And then extremely actually rare. shot it. And then actually shot it. Um, oh yeah, I did. I almost forgot this one. Um, I didn't like how Murray played on Saturday against Tampa, but who was my on my shit list the most so from that game was the Sportsnet camera crew. Yeah, they're just I horrible. Every time the puck was in, it was. Know how you okay the the defenseman just waits for the change whatever it's in the other end. Every time that would happen, they would zoom into someone on the bench. I don't care about that player. They're on the bench. I don't need to see their facial reactions, which is usually nothing. Like, what do you think this guy's gonna throw up or and we're gonna catch it on camera? No, absolutely unnecessary. We almost that they almost ruined that Marner chance because they were zooming in and changing and. Uh, what okay? I have a question for you. What's worse, the Sportsnet broadcast where they zoom in on players like that, or the TSN sends broadcast tonight when oh they ask they bad. ask the uh, Indigenous oh woman about no. being silenced, and then as as <laughs> she's about to answer the question, they tell her to stop because they because <laughs> they the King scored a goal. That was terrible, and they cut away from it. It was bad, but I mean, obviously not good to see, but it's still fun. That was. <laughs> That was the most awkward. <laughs> Back to the line. Um, <laughs> so again, most of I I agree with you, Joy. It's great that they're scoring. It's as updated as of tonight, forty four percent Corsi four, forty seven percent Fenwick. A uh, little bit of a theme. And forty seven percent of the expected goals. But we're seeing goals and we're seeing chance. We're seeing production from them offensively. Because now you have two really good goal scorers. Matthews has kind of shifted the way he's played. He's he's feeding the puck more to to Nylander now, which we were trying to expect Nylander to do the opposite, which is kind of funny. So that's where it's working a little bit better. But when they're getting those chances, you got two guys that, I mean, how many did Nylander score last year? 40? No. He had 83? 80 points at least. 33. You have a 30. I just made that up. I no, I think 38. Right. No. Take a look. Look it up. But anyways, you have My a number mi- seems right. 34. 34 goal goal scorer and a 60 goal 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 scorer together. When they get those chances, more than often, more often than not, it's going to end up in the back of the net. So that's been nice to mm-hmm. see. When they get the chances, they're converting on them. However, a few too many chances are coming back the other way, unfortunately. Uh, also, 
every other combination of these three players is better than the three of them playing together. Matthews and Bunting without Nylander, 63% expected goals. Matthews and Nylander without Bunting, 60% expected goals. Matthews without either of them, 55. Bunting and Nylander without Matthews, 61. Like, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure about the long-term potential of this line. Right now they're scoring, which is good. Yeah. But um, don't be surprised if it wears off. Yeah, well, unless they improve. There's things they can improve. Yeah. I think they're still getting used to each other. Pretty leaky defensively. Yeah. I think, again, they're going to score. I do think they can outperform expected goals for a mm-hmm. whole season, though. Like you said, they have two guys who are clinical finishers mm-hmm. and a guy who the majority of his chances come in front of the net. Yeah. So I think they can outperform it, but we'll see. I, I almost don't want to break it up anyways because, again, you have a two-pronged attack now. Instead of the first line playing way more than the second line and yeah. asking who's going to play wing with Nylander and Tavares to make it fit, again, they could put anyone on that wing that's going to fit with Marner and Tavares. It's like Cal Yarncroft was looking like an all-star playing on that wing. So that's another reason why maybe – the insulation of bunting on the first line with Matthews mm-hmm. and Nylander could end up helping in the long run. But yeah. what do you think? Um, I mean, I still want to see Nylander. Like, I think bunting. Sorry, I think bunting and Matthews work together, and I think I think it's the same kind of thing we were going through last year with Tavares and Nylander with the Matthews and Nylander thing, where it's like I think I still want to see at the end of the day Nylander kind of carry his own line. Okay. Whether that be a third line with David My, Camp, yeah. whether that be a third but line with someone third else, line. like, but a third line with Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat, yeah, professor, like, I, 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 in terms of carry his own line, okay, but like, put him with, with what someone. they have with oh, the bottom course. six, it's like yeah. that would be like, like he's not Wayne Gretzky. He's a very <laughs> good player. He's not Wayne Gretzky out there. It's uh, that'd be a little asking a little bit too much, but. As you mentioned with the two-pronged attack, last year what they had was the best line in the league and then a very inconsistent second line. So that's where you're getting inconsistent games from the Leafs. Now both lines are humming along pretty well, and it looks pretty nice. I mean, unfortunately, analytically, it's not the cleanest. It's not the prettiest, and it is showing that there are issues, um, and the luck is kind of going the Leafs' way. However... I mean, they're very good players. I, hopefully that, again, as Josh said, we can figure it out. Like, for example, again, this is not bagging on Nylander. It's going to be just a combination of the players. Ma- Matthews and Bunting on the ice without Nylander, which is probably 99% with Mitch Marner, right? In 170 minutes together, have gave up 6.21 expected goals against, okay? In 50 fewer minutes, okay? Matthews, Bunting, and Nylander are giving up a full extra expected goal against. So, like, per 60, that's we're breaking down to, like, mm-hmm. all, like half a goal extra expected against yeah. them. So, like, the defensive plays, I'm just going to say it, significantly worse. Yeah, and when you looked at last year, I just took a sample, like, this uh, this 11-game sample from last year where it was Matthews, Matthews uh, Marner, and Bunting together. They were humming at like a 63% of expected goals together. Also, my math is terrible. They're giving up a goal and a quarter more expected oh, with yeah. Nylander than with Marner. Nice. It's a lot. Yeah. Per 60, that is. Per 60. Yeah. So. Yeah. The reason it feels a lot better than what it was with Matthews Marner at the beginning of the year, I mean, Matthews expected goals, it was like 3.5, which is the same that he had in the next 11 games. However, he had what one or zero goals at five on f- one goal at five on five, compared to now four 
yeah. in that in that stretch. So, you know, the end results don't always tell the long term picture. If yeah. this was the playoffs, I wouldn't I wouldn't give a who who like yeah. who cares? Oh my god, it'd be who cares? fantastic. It'd be fantastic. I'd love to get blown out analytically for four games in a row and sweep a team. Like that'd be nice. That'd be great. That'd be incredible. Well, ask However, the Rangers how they feel about the analytics. Yeah. Right now. Oh my god. Yeah. They they were again they were the poster boys for what we're talking about right now. However, we're not in the playoffs. We're in game what twenty seven. There's 82 games in the regular season. We still have a long ways to go. That's where advanced analytics like this, even at the, at the public model, is very important to look at, and it's it's very useful because over a large sample size, it does come. All these what we're talking about does come to fruition in the actual results. Yeah. Right. We're yeah. not talking about Pierre Engvall had uh, 2.5 expected goals for. Um, in the playoffs, but zero actual goals. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then if he played another 14 games, he would have added more expected goals. He wouldn't have gotten actual any actual goals because he's Pierre Engvall. But this is the regular season. It's a completely different story. Yeah, so. I agree. And uh, one thing I want to add about tonight's game, the power play, the one power play that they had, pretty great. And they were changing the looks. They were working from lot. behind the net with Matthews and Marner, yes. which I like because... Everyone's saying, just stick Matthews there like Ovechkin and he'll score. Like, it's not the same type of player as Ovechkin. Like, also, the Washington Capitals are in the bottom half of the league yeah, for the power and play. And Ovechkin has always been good as an individual player. But if you look, their power play has fluctuated a lot over the year. And for us specifically in the playoffs, this is also what would happen to Washington. In the playoffs, they were able to target Ovechkin and shut down the power play. They've kind of done that... To us, the last couple of years, like really target Matthews. Mm-hmm. If you just throw them different looks every power play, it's going to be much, much more effective. And so, how did the yeah. Leafs score a power play goal? I think it was in Game Three. Lohan, Morgan no? Morgan Riley beside the net. Yeah, we'll take it. Take it out all day. Any yeah. look, just don't be stagnant. That's how, the only thing. As a goalie, how annoying is it when those guys? I don't know if you saw this when they're passing back and forth like that behind the net. Like, is it? It's, uh, it's tough to track. No, like. Especially like a, a defender if, too. Your back is to the play. Well, yeah, like you're, you you're sorry. To, your back is to the net. You have to like rotate your whole kind of body. So Shift then back and forth. Like, right? Think about all the weight, like in yeah. terms of like how fast the puck is zipping and how how much you have to turn like that. And then if you're able to quickly zip it to the front of the net, then that's another turn, and then you got to react to that quick shot mm-hmm. that's coming. Like obviously with a bigger goaltender, you're not actually going post to post. You're just sitting there and you're you're turning, but you mm. do have to follow the puck. And yeah. it, it is a little bit difficult when it is going through back of the net. Like they are trained to follow it much better than what like I would because yeah. I would. But uh, on top but, of that, like when it's Matthews it's and Marner behind there yeah. and Tavares in front and Nylander floating high, it's like okay, yeah. I really need to be aware. And Tavares was doing a good job jumping from side to side. Marner did a good job of walking above the line. Matthews looked yeah. like it was it was really the good. Play, yeah. The play the the power play when you look at it like goals wise has been cold lately, but I haven't felt like I watched and I'll get into this in the next part. I watched a good amount of the power play back, like the the San Jose game, a few other games here and there. They, like get, they got one against Tampa. Um yes, they did. They went like one for five. Or yeah, one for it wasn't six a great performance, Tampa. but um and then they didn't get any against San Jose, and they got one against Detroit. And so since Sandin has taken over power play one, those have been the two goals. But it, it hasn't felt like that. The power play has been getting the chances. I don't know why it's it's not dropping. Yeah, it will. I'm not, I'm not, if they throw it a look like that, 
It, it will. So get it a few more looks than what two power plays tonight, something like that. So, and the penalty kill is improving. Like, yeah, it is. I, I believe it was um, Mark Mathot, noted Leaf lover, saying the Leafs wouldn't be good because their penalty kill was in the bottom ten of the league. I think this was twelve right. games in yeah. the. They are now in the top ten of the league. They were in 21st at that time. Maybe he's right. Now we're winning. Maybe it's all the penalty kill. Maybe he's right. It's all the penalty kill. Yeah. Even though, wait, who did we add to our penalty kill? Nobody? Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you want to get into a little bit of uh, Sandine on the power play versus Morgan Riley on the power play? Let's do it. So, <laughs> as I just, do. You just teed up your own point. I like that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, in terms of, like, we've been saying for a while, like, yeah, like, I think Sandine is better on the power play than Riley and all that. I mean, and at one point, like Sheldon Keith did put Sandine at power play one against Montreal in the playoffs. He did. And then he also did it also did it in game six or seven against he Tampa Bay. He put Giordano up he put on Giordano this. on power play one, and it resulted in the goal too. So there has been suspicion. I don't think Riley is a bad power play defenseman at all, pa- bad power play quarterback at all. Here's what I found watching it all back. Because I, I was saying, I was thinking to myself, I really like the chances that the Leafs are generating off when, when Sandin's on the power play, but like the goals aren't there to support it. Like the power play hasn't gone up in league rankings or everything since Morgan Riley's been injured, but it still feels good. So I went back and I watched some Morgan Riley on the power play versus what Sandin did on the power play. With Morgan Riley, obviously, neither defenseman really shoot the puck much. This season, Sandin has four shots. Morgan Riley had two. Like, it's a negligible amount to where the next power play, Riley could tie him. Like, it's, it's a very small amount, so it doesn't matter. Neither of them shoot the puck. That's on the power play very much. So that's a, a point to be made there. Neither of them are responsible for the entries as well. They do the slingshot or the, the drop pass, I guess you could call it. And then from there, they, they quarterback it from the top of the circle once the forwards enter the zone. Another point to be made, Riley likes to step in a little bit and then make the pass. Sandy makes, likes to make the pass a little bit quicker. He likes the one touch to the forwards right away. So what is it? who is better on the power play? Who's the better option? Here's the thing. They are both the worst player offensively on the power play when you think about it. You have four elite offensive players on that power play. A defenseman, it is very rare that you will find a defenseman that is better offensively than an NHL forward. In the NHL, like, like think about it. How many forwards? How many defensemen are better offensively than Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander? Maybe Kale McCarr, yeah, Adam Fox. Like those guys are. Respons- I think just Kale McCarr. Yeah. Like yeah, like Carlson's good as well. But oh, then again, it's like you're, it's you're different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So in that case, wouldn't you want the puck on the stick of the best players, the best offensive players who are going to generate goals? Like. Both Riley and Sandine, I felt, I felt when watching it, I was like, they're not really gener- the ones generating the high danger chance. They're just there. It, it's like Mark Sanchez with the Jets when they made the conference finals. <laughs> just hand the ball off, baby. So one thing I would remember earlier, I would, I would say, I don't, know, I don't know how much earlier, maybe two years ago, Riley was taking a lot of bad shots. Does it seem like he's taking fewer bad shots any. overall? <laughs> he's just not taking, and any that might be by play. design. Yes, exactly. So there was that, like, I just felt, uh, just watching it, I was like, okay, that's a good chance there, but was Sandine really responsible for that one? No. Was Riley really responsible for that one? No. At times, maybe it didn't feel like 
Riley was the best QB on the power play, and it was going a little up and down, I felt like, during the season. Like, it was when they were putting Austin Matthews at the QB spot, which they, they scored at that like that. But I was watching the Devils one. I was like, okay, now Riley's on, I guess you'd call it the flank there. He's on the side going up and down, even though they don't want him to shoot the puck. And you have Matthews now at the QB spot, the furthest point away from the net. Like, is that formation because of Riley? No, I think that was designed by the coach, and they just scrapped it, thank God. And now they're back to the QB, just, you know, and like, get the puck, deliver it, a nice pass to the Marner or Tavares or Nylander or whoever, and, you know, don't make sure that uh, you stop the two-on-one the other way. Yeah. That was my findings. I, I Pretty much a wash, I, I think thought. that's a really good description, and I think it makes me think, do I want a guy with a big shot on this power play? It makes me I think. I think it would be a ni- another it would be a it would nice be, addition. It would be a nice addition. I agree, but the the devil's advocate to that is it takes the puck away from some of your better exactly. players. Exactly. But I agree. To, it would have to be like prime Shea Weber. But I think what you're saying is is apt in terms of Sandine or Riley doesn't really matter if you bring in like Jacob Chickren, for example, hi- like hypothetically. Maybe yeah. that's a guy you might look with a better shot who scored almost 20 goals in a year once. Like, But is it worth it? No, I'm not saying it is worth it. I'm just saying hypothetically that would be the type of guy that you mm-hmm. would displant Riley from PP1 for yeah. in terms of versus Sandin, who's probably just going to bring a lot of the same stuff. It's it's pretty much – I mean, like when you look at it overall, roster build, <laughs> unfortunately, it's 1.4 million versus 7.5. For sure. On the power play. And they're both kind of the same thing, so – just an interesting thing I was watching. I was like, hmm. I want this. Like, we're bearing. I'm letting send it all up for you. No, yeah. Uh, I I I don't know. I I feel like I've talked enough about Morgan Riley and how I feel how I feel about him on the power play. Like I think I've said this before. I think the biggest upside he brings to the power play is on zone entries, and just he the, doesn't do the zone entries. Exactly. Zone. It's the only. It's only like it was only when teams were unsure exactly how to play the um the drop pass when it was first introduced. That mm-hmm. he was effective with those those entries. So, and now with teams actually watching the drop pass, which the Leafs have picked off, my count is now five times. Mm-hmm. I want to say they did it tonight too. Um, teams watching the drop pass, it's an e- easier entry, but we haven't really s- had to see that from from Riley yet. So, yeah, just something a uh, little film study that I did that I I found out. It's uh, always a little disappointing when you don't you go in with the the. The question of oh who's better Riley or Sandy and you come out with well who cares uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah just something I found anywho um, moving on from that you guys had to have any other Leafs points from this week no uh, TJ Brody cannot come back quick enough honestly yeah. and I'm and that's no disservice to the top four that have played right now I think they've done a really good job. My question would be when he does come back, what are the ripple effects in the lineup? Is Sandine going to end up playing with Connor Timmons? Is that what's going to happen? I hope not, but I think, honestly, we talked about this before. Thinking about the way this coach operates, that's probably what's going to happen. I mean, you have a 39-year-old playing 25 minutes a night. It's just crazy. Maybe Jordan will play with yeah. Timmons, actually. Try to, actually, I think that might be the move. And you put Brody back with Hall, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. That could work. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to yeah. see just... Even with Brody back, just keep 
given out the like crazy usage to these two guys just just to see just to see yeah like exactly why not like hopefully it doesn't stifle that I, I i don't think you can right now like i would it'd be very puzzling if you were to move them down or split them up as a result of this but yeah they've been awesome they've been awesome tonight uh or tonight they've been awesome so far this year i i, I, re- I really liked how they played together um a really good like we haven't even talked we didn't talk about it just real quick though a real good bounce back for rasmus sandin a few episodes ago three four episodes ago we were talking about how he Terrible he was playing. Someone's no, go ahead. just and give now, him minutes and he'll well, figure it out. Well, not only give him minutes. How about give him the tough minutes, opportunity, everything. I, this guy, how about the side of the ice? Oh, oh the left out. side of the ice. Yeah. So, yeah, I forgot about that. Forcing him to play on the right side. That might help help him out too. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, but, yeah, five points, five out of possible six. Uh, what's the upcoming schedule? We should have had that. I think we up. have the Kings. Yes, we do. When's this? Tomorrow. Kings tomorrow. Oh. Wow, back to back. Well, Kings tomorrow. No, oh. well, it's it was Thursday. Oh, it's Thursday. Not back to we back. We are recording very late right now. Yes, it Kings is technically on Thursday. Wednesday. Flames on Saturday and Ducks on Tuesday. Keep it. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Keep the Tuesday streak alive of winning when we record. So, yeah. Yeah. Now it's a, it's an actual good streak. Yep. Um, yeah. With the Kings, I mean, sneaky this year. Fourteen, ten, and four. I think we know what their weakness is. What is it? It's the guy with the the catcher and the blocker in, their, in his hand. <laughs> well, they before, just waved one. Yeah, of them. that's crazy. That's <laughs> the crazy. first year into a five year, five mil th- by three, three year. year contract, and they wave them. Not a good look there. Um, and then on top of that, I think the 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 Flames don't uh, twelve ten and three struggling a little, little bit. A lot. Of, I think I would a say lot. struggling. They're kind of finding their way, but man, there's something off about that That's team. That's a yeah. It's a sneaky team though. A lot of talent no, there. It's a good team. And then, uh, and then the I, Ducks. I feel like Ducks safe. is going to be a payback night for what happened oh, last time. It better. It better. But you guys have any other closing remarks? It's very fun to watch. I said it wasn't fun like two weeks in. It's been very fun. I, I It's not fair to always be yeah. negative. It's been Forget very, very fun. Very fun. Forget these analytics nerds. This has been awesome. Block shots, win games, stop pucks. Anywho, thanks everyone for listening. Go Leafs, go.